0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML.
1: How can we educate people in regarding to mental illness? Uh, you'll see a lot of action on social media about mental illness and mental health issues. And, uh, and we, of course, uh, do this on a regular basis here. Well, in fact, one of our guests uh, has been doing this for quite some time. Ted Michaels is going to join us. Uh, of course, he is the host of Wellness Wednesdays, the award-winning Wellness Wednesdays, of course. Um, and uh, f- thanks for coming in, first of all, today. It's pleasure.
0: Any time I get a chance to talk about this um- more
1: than happy to do it. And uh, let's let's introduce our panel here too. We've got some fabulous folks that are in here too. Carm Bozzo is here, who is a health and wellness blogger. Uh, uplifting uh, dot is with us. Carm, good to have you here today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Lisa Colbert, who is a mindfulness and meditation expert, owner of Vital Spark, uh, mindfulness, meditation, and spirituality. Great li- having you here, Lisa. And uh, Dr. Karen Roa, who is an anxiety treatment and research clinic at St. Joseph's Hospital uh, with a great program that uh, St. Joe's is doing, too. Uh, great to have you here, Karen. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Bill. Let's, uh, Ted, let, let me start with you. You got involved in, in this issue uh, quite some time ago, and, 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 and you were the one that actually went to management here and said, look, I want to do a program about this. And they basically said, yeah, you run with this. What was your motivation right at the start? I, I'm assuming it's what a lot of other people th- th- that are involved in this right now. Is it because it probably touched you in some way? Well,
0: I'm actually going to make an admission for the first time publicly um, that I suffer from anxiety. and I've been diagnosed with anxiety. And um, this is kind of emotional for me because it's the first time I've actually talked about it on the air. Well,
1: you and I have known each other about 35 years yeah. now, and I did not know
0: that. No. Um, it, there were three or four instances that happened at this station involving anxiety, and the final one, whoa, it's tougher than I thought it would be. Uh, The final one was on uh, Thanksgiving in 2013, Um, and I'll go back and very quickly uh, tell the story. Um, As you know, I'm a runner, Mm -hmm. and I knew that there was something wrong, and my wife kept telling me, you you have anxiety, no, no, no. It was um, a beautiful sunny day, It was a day for the ages, a perfect day to run. And I sat on my couch for an hour. I couldn't decide, do I get up, do I go for a run? I can't, there's something wrong. After that, I was doing the fifth quarter that night. Tiger Cats were playing in uh, Guelph against the Argos. Didn't care. Sat here, watched the game, didn't care. Come on, uh, the fifth quarter theme started, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I gotta get out of here, I can't do this, the walls are closing in. I didn't want to talk to Joe in Section 7 about the backup court. I didn't care. And this is the Tiger Cats and the Argonauts. At that point, I knew there was something wrong. Drastically wrong. I called my doctor the next morning, very emotional, saying, you have to do something. There's something wrong. Long story short, he called me in. He diagnosed me. He said, yeah, you have it, anxiety. And I actually called my wife in the parking lot, and I said, yeah, I've got it. And she goes, I can tell by the relief in your voice how you feel. That was the seed that started it. I thought because I have to tell and help somebody. Um, from that started the show. I went to to management because I do a lot of physical stuff with the the, on the Bay, and I wanted to yeah. combine the, the two. And they said, "Go with it," and that's what happened.
1: What did it feel like? <laughs> how how did it impact you when the, they put a label on this? When your doctor said, "This is what this is what's going on."
0: I actually felt better knowing that they found something that because. Uh, I don't want to say I'm the typical male because I am more proactive about my health than most most people are, but I kind of thought a couple of times, nah, no, it's just ju- just the pressure of work. But when he finally said to me, "Yeah, you you have it," and this is what and this is how I think we can treat it, it's like okay, this is I actually felt relief knowing that I've been diagnosed with something as opposed to thinking here's the expression, it's all in my head. Is that a typical reaction, Karen?
3: Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, We do see a lot of people who feel very relieved if you can put a label on what's going on for them and also really take the opportunity to normalize how common some of these difficulties are. So for example, my area of specialty is anxiety disorders And we know that at some point in their lives, about a third of the population will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So it's incredibly common if you think about the the numbers that way. And I do think for a lot of people, it's very relieving to know that this is something we know a lot about. There are very effective treatments, both medications, psychological treatments, and also lifestyle things that people can do that can really help manage these symptoms and get them to the point where they're thriving again and, and living full, productive lives. So... It, it's very helpful, I think, for people to get uh, some more information. But
1: is that, uh, from the standpoint of, you know, something's going on in your body, uh, whether it's physical or mental, and, and you don't know what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. you've, you've got a stomachache, and you I don't know, is it a stomachache, is it this, is it cancer, is it pain? Mm-hmm. It, it helps, I guess, from a psychological standpoint to at least know what you're dealing with.
3: Absolutely. One of the things with anxiety that we see is the uncertainty um, is a really huge trigger for people, and it does create. I would a think the uncertainty would only
1: magnify the problem. Then. Yeah, it
3: really does. Exactly, not knowing like what is this, and and so taking away some of the uncertainty, really ruling out um, some. You know, sometimes if you go to your family doctor, they do need to rule out: is there something physical going on that can explain these symptoms? That's a very important piece of the puzzle. And once those things have been ruled out, then we can sort of move forward and ask, well, maybe it it does fall in the realm of mental health, and then kind of trying to put a label on that. It's important also to think though mental health difficulties do express themselves physically a lot. Um, so if we think about you know the physical symptoms people are experiencing, panic attacks, for example, have uh, a ton of physical symptoms that people are experiencing in their body. So there there is a physical thing going on. Those are very real physical symptoms. They are not in a person's head. Um, we just understand them through more of a sort of a psychological or a psychiatric lens.
0: Quick question for Karen. So mm-hmm. you were shaking your head when I had mentioned how I felt the walls closing yeah. in, that I felt Uh, the newsroom always laughs because I like to have the temperature a little cooler than... But I find that when it gets warmer or it gets stuffy it's like that's when everything seems to really exacerbate itself. It's like yeah. everything's closing in I mean I can't breathe. Is yeah. that common?
3: It's very common. Um, I have lots of clients who will say that the only thing that will help them or, or what they feel at the moment is to get out and go outside and get fresh air to get outside of a small space to just feel like they can breathe again. I will also say that on the other side though some people find large wide open spaces to be very anxiety provoking so we really have to ask each person but it's very common for that sense of uh, feeling um you know closed in feeling like physically things are closing in on you having trouble with tight spaces um and feeling sort of hot and uncomfortable that that that's a very common experience
1: Carmen, do we try to talk ourselves out of it when we get those sensations those feelings i I can i can talk myself out of this i'm I'm, (laughs) i'm stronger
2: yeah absolutely and i can relate to um the feeling of being hot. When I have my panic attacks, um, I'm always cold. As you can see, I have a sweater on, Um, but I'm always cold. And so what triggers for me is that I get really, really hot and I have to change I have to change my clothes I need to be in a tank top I need to be walking around and I was talking to a colleague earlier today about um, you know the different ways that we deal with panic attacks and our anxiety um, you know one doesn't like to be touched one would like to be cuddled I need I need to stand and I need to walk around um, my first panic attack I thought I was having a heart attack I was talking myself into mm-hmm. having a heart attack I was feeling physical pain I pulled something while I was working out um, but as the um, as the pain intensified during the day, um, I figured it was a heart attack. My dad had a a silent heart attack a few years back, um, suffered from um, tightness in the jaw and the neck and didn't know what it was. And that's what I was feeling that particular morning or afternoon. And um, as it wasn't going away, I... just kept Googling, you know, symptoms of heart attacks in women. And I knew what my dad well, I'm had I'm sure that through. made you feel better. Oh, yeah. I felt great. <laughs> I had two small children at home. My d- husband was um, out for the afternoon. And so I started um, scaring myself that I sure, was Sure. You was see tapping. all this stuff on. You Google oh. this.
1: And you're just checking the th- stuff checking off. All hot, the symptoms. Oh, yep, my God. That's me. Heart, that's me. That's yes. me. It's really going on. It's
2: happening. And, and then I thought, oh, no, I'm not talking myself out of yeah, it. I sure. think I just pulled something. I just pulled something. But then going back and saying, well, what if I am? And I've got these kids in the house, and what if I collapse right here? So I started, you know, it got worse and worse and worse. So you do tend to talk yourself out of it. But at the same time, for me to come out of a panic attack, I have to talk myself through it. So, And that's what I do. I pace, and I talk myself out of it, and slowly, slowly my heart comes back down.
1: That's part of the, I guess, the mind game that we play, isn't it, Lisa, when we go through a situation like this? I'm just having a bad day. I can get over this. And, and and you just try to you know it's 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 okay it's going to pass and, and that's it's really kind of shoving and suppressing everything.
4: I think it's the very resistance that we tend to have, and part of that comes from the message we have that we should be able to intellectualize this, mm-hmm. we should be able to control this, and it's that very need for control and that asserting our will that heightens the way we're feeling so becoming mindful of accepting that that's happening to us this is is what we're feeling right now immediately makes a switch Mm. and then just breathing and being with the way we're feeling can then move us beyond it
1: Let's let's uh, the the obvious question here is, do you talk about it? I mean, when you went through your situation, Carm, do you do you call somebody and say, "I'm I'm experiencing this," or or is it again this idea that no, I'm in control, I can I can get over this, I'll deal with this, I don't need to worry anybody else about it.
2: Well, it's. I guess ironic. I was worrying that I was having a panic attack, but I never had a panic attack. So what does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, I did call my husband and say you have to come home. I think I need to call the ambulance, but I didn't want um, I didn't want the kids around with the ambulance. So I called my sister-in-law who came and, and took my kids um, for me. And I did call the ambulance. Um, I was, um, it, you know, because the, you know the paramedics came, um, and I knew my neighbors were going to see, and then I was embarrassed about all of that. Um, and when they came over to see if I was okay a couple of days later, I was embarrassed to say, you know, I thought I was having a heart attack, but really it was a panic attack. And then everybody started sharing their stories. And once I was at work, and they were sharing their stories, and after I posted that blog, which you know was hard to post, once I published that blog on pan- my panic attacks, I had you know two really long-term friends, longtime friends of almost forty years, um, you know, text me and say I too suffer from panic attacks, and we didn't even tell each other.
1: You found that, you told me this when you started doing Wellness Wednesdays, Ted, that as soon as somebody opens up, all of a sudden,
0: the floodgates, right? Well, first of all, I have to commend Carm and Lisa for both going public with their story. I'm actually curious, Carm, what was it that made you, and we'll get to your point in a sec, what was it that made you think, you know what, I have to go public with this?
2: Um well I've, I've started a blog um, up in lifting I'll plug it <laughs> um, uh, about a year ago and it's because my you know my passion I work in women uh, women's shelter so that's my passion but my other passion is uh, fitness and eating well and healthy living and so I started that blog last May um, and as I was writing all these blogs about you know food and fitness and all of that I realized I was neglecting something that was really important and that's the connection of mind and spirit and I figured that you know if I told my story that I You know, even though I eat well and I try to exercise and I try to live this healthy life, you know, I do suffer from these panic attacks. Um, I need to include that in my health and wellness blog. So, I mean, I wrote it, sent it to my husband first to read, um, and he called me right away. Doesn't typically, typically just says, "Oh, great, honey. You know, great blog." Um, And he said, "Are you are you okay to press this button and say send?" Um, And I said, "I think it's important."
0: To to your point, Bill, um, and the story that I. Tell time and time again, um you do the show and you sometimes don't wonder about the lives that you touch because you're sitting in a studio and you're talking. And and to answer your question, yes, um I'm constantly amazed at the people that email or send me a tweet or a private message that says I'm suffering from this or whatever. And the example that I use all the time, and I know that Lisa's heard this because she and, and Carm was one night we did a, a, a show in the studio about suicide, about people who lost their relatives to suicide, suicide It was an emotional, gripping show. Mm-hmm. I got home, and I was just totally exhausted, and I was going to go and check my email. My wife said, maybe you should back off I Something drew me to the c- computer. I got an email from a woman who said, I need to find out more of the woman who lost her son to suicide because my son is showing the same symptoms. I thought, okay. If I don't do anything here, then I'm a hypocrite. I'm not an expert. So basically I connected the woman who contacted me with the panelist, and last I heard that they have been talking and had a meeting for coffee and they have been helping each other out. And the other one was when a woman called the newsroom um, after one of our shows, sobbing, saying that you saved my son's life. Um, and I I was just totally floored by that, and that tells me that the power of this program, and how having conversations and people that you've never talked to before say, you know what? Thank you for doing it. Much like Carm, and I'm actually curious. Um, now that I've gone public with my story, what's going to happen when I hit social media at about twelve ten after I have my lunch this afternoon?
1: Well, one of the reasons for that like, we were talking just before we started the segment here this morning, Elisa, and uh, we mentioned the stat about one. They say one in five uh, people are probably affected and dealing with mental health issues. And and you, you made the point, that's those who report it. Uh, who doesn't? Uh, that's probably a much bigger number.
4: And I think it's... And, and to it, my point,
1: I'd say, well, who's not... What What family is not dealing with this in some way, shape, or form?
4: Right. What family is not affected by someone yeah. who they know? And what family is not in a situation that might cause a period of time where they're going through a mental health problem? So it may not be something that's a lifelong experience but I think we've all experienced challenges with mental health and mental health to me and addiction love denial love isolation and when we have conversations like this we break that stigma and allow some of that shame to be lifted and have people have a voice to come forward and talk about what they're experiencing because they identify and they have someone who they can now trust because they're having the same experience and the more that that happens the more I think we take power from mental health problems. It,
1: is part of the reason for for our reticence to, to speak out about this sort of thing Karen is the fact that we're not sure how it's going to be received?
3: Yeah I think that's probably a huge concern for a lot of people. Um, conversations like this hopefully do really um, bring forward the issue and really make make us understand that this is something that many of us can relate to and that you'll probably find a lot more support than not when you do sort of express. But I do think that there still is some stigma that exists that we really need to work hard to, to get rid of. I wanted to make a point based on some things that people were saying, and, which is that mental health and addiction difficulties are often completely anonymous. And they cut across all um, sort of ages, gender, socioeconomic status. So really, it's affecting all of us, uh, you know, think about Hamilton, uh, our population, it's it's affecting people from all walks of life in Hamilton, and many times we can't tell. So I'm sitting with panelists who you would never know. These are lovely women who are very put together, professional women. You'd never know unless they were willing to disclose. Um, So this is very important and very brave of people to be able to to share, so that it just gives sort of hope to some people at least uh, about coming out. Now, there are other people who really have experienced some, you know, negative reactions or some non-understanding reactions, and I do understand that they may have some more hesitancy and and might save um, their discussions for people that they really trust or or professional atmospheres and, and I think that's that's uh, fair for, for some people to do if, if they're dealing with some some realized stigma or some some uh, discrimination that they've experienced.
1: With our uh, fabulous in studio panel here talking about mental health issues Ted Michaels host of Wellness Wednesdays here on 900 CHMO the award-winning program that uh, Ted has hosted for the last while. Uh, Karen Bozo is here, health and wellness blogger, upandlifting.wordpress.com is uh, where you can find uh, her blogs. Uh, Lisa Col- Colbert, I keep, we got into the Stephen Colbert thing, and it's anyway, <laughs> stuck in my head now, Lisa. <laughs> uh, mindfulness and meditation expert, uh, the owner of Vital Spark. Mindfulness, meditation, and spirituality. And Dr. Karen Raw is here uh, from the Anxiety Treatment and Research Clinic at Saint Joe's Hospital here in studio. Uh, doctor, I know you have to leave shortly because you've well, you got a job to do. <laughs> but I really appreciate you uh, spending a few minutes here. But be- before you go, I want to ask about reaction to this. When when, when people do decide, okay, I want I want to talk about this, or I want people to know, and and. We, we were talking during the break here about some of the more well-known celebrities, Mike Wallace that was on 60 Minutes, uh, other entertainers. Uh, Bruce Springsteen just did his autobiography mm-hmm. a couple of months ago and admitted that he suffers from depression. And, and mm-hmm. the, the reaction I hear from an awful lot of people is, Springsteen, what the hell's the matter with him? Right. He's making all kinds of money, he traveled the world, he's you know, loved by millions of people. How can he be depressed right. as, as if there has to be a rationalization for it? How do you, how do you deal with that?
3: Yeah, I think it's. this is part of what uh, education is so important for, to understand that many types of mental health difficulties are not caused by circumstances and, and, in fact, can exist independent of circumstances. So people are on the top of their game and living wonderful lives and making, you know, celebrities making a lot of money and they have everything they need they may still be susceptible. Um, some mental health difficulties have strong sort of genetic components, so it's inherited very naturally through our, our genes and and maybe interacting with some life circumstances. So there's really, uh, you know, our circumstances can't fully protect us from developing certain types of mental health difficulties.
1: And it can ebb and flow, Lisa, as you were suggesting. I mean, you, you might have a bad time, I mean, because life happens, Right. Uh, you know, job loss, divorce, uh, anything can happen. Relationships with family uh, can start to deteriorate, and you might feel lousy about something psychologically for the long time, but you, you kind of pull yourself up and figure, no, that, that, I'm not really suffering from anything. I can deal with this. And then it comes back again the next time there's a crisis. At, at what point uh, do, you, do you have to come to the realization that, look, maybe I to talk to somebody about this? It's not unlike what happened in Ted's situation.
4: I think whenever we're feeling out of balance and overwhelmed, we should talk to someone. We get give ourselves the message that it's about our worth and about who we are as a person, and we don't share it. And then we can't get the help we need, whether that help is just reflecting with someone else so that we are sharing like we are supposed to as human beings. I really believe that, that when we share the load, the load lightens. Or if it is something that's organic and that we need help with, reflecting with another person can maybe give us that insight to seeking out more help. And the compassion that we can give another person as the person on the receiving end of hearing someone who's going through these things may be just what they need in order to not feel like it's about their worth or their intelligence or their circumstances. Sometimes I think we tell ourselves, because my circumstances are good, I should not be feeling this. And whenever we tell ourselves we shouldn't be doing something, we're stealing from who we really are.
1: I, I, I'm not going to try to think what you know what's going through Springsteen's mind, you know. But uh, you, I'm wondering if he had that that same conflict going in in his head. You know, the, I, I'm the boss. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm. It can't be depression. And and to finally come to that realization. And I, I, I guess one of the decisions you have to make sometimes, crime. If you get to that point where you say, uh, well, let's talk about this, uh, and and you try to think. Well, wait. I don't know if I can talk to my family members about this. Then talk to somebody else. Find somebody else. There is somebody there, isn't there? That's that's the message you have to remember.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, I mean, I've been very fortunate you know, I, I'm able to talk to my husband about this. But I think as well, when I wrote the blog, I think it hit home a little more for him. I think he didn't really understand, you know, the, the, the all the feelings I was, uh, you know, I am feeling um, until he really read it in, in my words. Um, and so we've been able to have other conversations um, from that. Um, but I'm lucky, you know, where I do work, um, I, I do work for uh, a woman's shelter in, in Halton. And, uh, you know, because we're, I'm surrounded with women and we, are, we do share more, um, that we have been able to talk about um, our different um, anxiety issues and so it's more welcoming and open and now we you know we can definitely tell each other when we're feeling a little off and what you know and almost apologize which we shouldn't be apologizing but it's almost comes <laughs> out that way like sorry if I'm feeling if I'm coming off this way I'm feeling this um, but I think at the, at the same time it doesn't matter I think it just needs to be shared and like I said once I did post my blog and, and I did post that I was going to be on the show today um, so many people you know uh, w- were commenting and one thing I wanted to say to all my friends that were commenting you know they kept saying oh the karma you're so amazing well I'm not amazing I'm just um, I'm just like everybody else and I'm just able to share my story and we were just chatting like anxiety and panic attacks they all look differently you know different to other people and to yourself Um, you know I was afraid that my story wasn't going to be as newsworthy as others because I'm able to go to work every day and, and and function but you know there are setbacks
1: is there a gender aspect to this doctor
3: it depends on you know the, the old
1: you know the old stereotype of yeah. you know tough male uh, you know because mm-hmm. was just talking about women tend to to be more open with their feelings than, than men do a lot and I hate using stereotypes because yeah. I I can just think as I'm saying this so there's the words that are coming out of my mouth I can think of twenty examples where it's not the case but right. but that stereotype exists
3: yeah there's so when we think about gender what we know from um, statistics and, and sort of uh, studies and epidemiology studies is that depending on the mental health difficulty there are differences in terms of of gender ratios about if if it affects more men than women. So it really depends on the problem. But pretty consistently in in, um, some studies um, that women tend to seek help uh, more readily than men do. And and we can speculate all sorts of reasons for that. um, But it is a, a, a result that's been replicated in the research.
1: And what help is available? Let's talk about that because I mean, the the the, one, the reason we want to have this discussion is to, to encourage people that are, are are dealing with these these feelings and these these symptoms that we've talked about here. But at the same time, that trepidation might be, well, what are they going to do for me? Just put me on some meds or something. And uh, what, what is available? I, I or I. I'm, I'm going to ask you that question with the presumption there there is no one-size-fits-all solution There here. is
3: no one-size-fits-all, and the good news is there are many things available, and I think some of my co-panelists can talk about um, sort of, uh, you know, other um, – uh, things and strategies that, that can be helpful that are outside what we offer at St. Joe's, but but at St. Joe's we have a wonderful mental health and addictions program that serves you know a, a huge um, uh, area, our entire Lynn out to the Niagara area mm-hmm. and uh, and beyond. So um, you know many many wonderful services, both um, lifestyle kinds of interventions medications if warranted, um, supportive interventions, psychological interventions, education. So we have um, a family education resource center that's been recently opened at St. Joe's to make sure that not only our clients and patients are being educated, but their families and their loved ones have access to education and support. Um, we have a wonderful peer support system through the hospital where people with lived experience are able to then, you know, and, and they've recovered and are doing really well, are they able, then able to pair and partner with people who are still struggling. So a wide range of, of wonderful services available at St. Joe's. But our community in Hamilton um, also offers, I think, a, a ton of, of opportunities for support. So, um, you know, Lisa, um, a mindfulness expert, so mindfulness meditation is a wonderful um, sort of intervention that people People can use to deal with things like stress, anxiety, low mood. Um, in studies, it's uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy has been shown to help prevent relapse in depression, which is a recurrent illness. We know that depression does tend to recur over and over again, so it helps people stay well and stay well longer. So many things within our community as well that I think people can access um, that are very supportive and helpful.
1: I, I know you got to run, so thanks so much, Karen, for being here. I'll just let you slide out the side door because I want to continue. You just touched on something, and I want Lisa to comment on this. Uh, you mentioned about well, the mental health and addiction work that's out there. Uh, addictions sometimes they go hand in hand because oftentimes addictions are are, are are part of the result of this. People that self-medicate. I mean, it could be it could be you know alcoholism, it could be a, a, an eating disorder, any number of things. But I mean, there's there are a number of other problems that manifest themselves as a result of, of mental health issues.
4: And I, I hear that story over and over, and I think often we don't know what came first, the the self-medication or self-medicating that's now tipped the brain chemistry and caused a mental health problem, and does it really matter? Mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters. I think as long as we're seeking help and we're looking at ways to have this conversation and to talk about it and to look at strategies that we can find in this City that's beautifully equipped to handle with many of these um, challenges. I wanted to mention two one one, so that's like nine one one or four one one, but it's for social services, and I think that that's a really great place to start. Um, Hamilton has. Lots of services that are available to us, but I think that so many of them are hidden and not talked about. 12-step programs have been very important to my recovery, and sometimes there's stigma around... Um, utilizing something like that. And I think it's very important that we share with other people what's worked with us because, again, that's a conversation that helps to break the stigma and to get people the information they need to get the help they need.
1: Carmen, that's part of the problem, isn't it? If people, they they try to keep it under a bushel basket, they don't want to talk, they don't want people to know that they're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. Even if they seek help, yeah but but that's one of the key elements isn't it to know that there's a support service and that there are people there that can can help if they, if there's a some backsliding or anything that happens
2: absolutely and um, I mean I've had friends who have done group therapy and different um, things that have worked for them um, and then have tried different things that have worked for their um, specific anxiety disorder uh, I know for me and I talk about this in my blog as well is for me um, there's a huge connection with um, fitness and exercise and eating well and I think sometimes people kind of push under the, the carpet and kind of laugh at me when I say I can't eat this kind of stuff because it, it does affect my body, not just physically, but mentally. When I eat certain things, I, I, my mood changes, uh, my whole, um, you know, view on things change. So I I really believe that, um, you know, s- food and and getting out there and exercising, whether that be walking, whether that be, you know, weight training, whether that be Zumba, it, it doesn't matter, but I really believe that there is such a connection between exercise. Um, exercise and food, Um, I believe food is medicine. I believe that, um, you know, anything
1: you put in your body is going to have an impact on your body, you know,
2: your gut health is, you know, number one. And um, that's a strategy that's worked for me. And I find that um, the more we can talk about stuff like that, um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, you know, anything that can get some of your you know a great outlet to to um to work through and it works for you is is gonna work and Te- it, it's not like you said it's not one size fits all it's what works into your life ted you style.
1: found this when you're doing wellness wednesdays too that uh, we we tend to forget sometimes that our body is just one great big chemistry set mm-hmm. and and what we put into it is going to have an
0: impact Absolutely. on the other chemicals that are already there and, yeah. and that it could act as a trigger yeah, yeah uh, that's true i mean uh, carm all the time i i <laughs> pictures of my lunch just to kind of get a response she goes yeah that's good yeah. that's good but yeah um, the whole and and with me um, my situation was I didn't want to when I was going through what I went through I didn't want to go for a run so I knew there yeah. was something wrong and when I finally realized and the, the weight was lifted off my shoulders now I find you know it, it's the same thing I may not run as fast as I did 20 years ago uh, my line is I used to run like a gazelle and I was like a hippo, but it still goes out. No, don't the, be so self-conscious about well, that. Just, just because they time you in the 5K with a calendar. Now. Well, don't, yeah, don't that's true. You know, the, um, <laughs> but the endorphins start to flow, yeah. um, and I've told people here, like I get all these ideas when I go for a run, you know, and a lot of times I'm having the battle. Well, Like I say, it's like the yin and yang on the shoulder. It's a stupid idea. No, it's not. Stupid idea. You're an idiot. Back and forth. But that all comes from the endorphins that are released during exercise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ideas, like Wellness Wednesdays, came when I was out for a run. So,
1: Lisa, what about... When when people do seek help and assistance in this, and it, it, as as uh, Karen said, it could be clinical, it could be you know in, in in that kind of an environment, or or dealing with somebody like you and and, and getting some assistance or the group programs that are available. And and they they get frustrated because they think I'm not getting better. It's not happening. How do you, how do you how do you coach them through that? I mean, there's, we have a propensity in our society these days. We're a fast food society. We want every, solutions now. We want you know. I want. I feel crappy today. I want to feel better tonight. You know, and and it, it, it's not going to happen that way.
4: I think that part of practicing that patience is exactly what we need to do in order to recover from these illnesses, and it's so quick fix. We want the the quick fix. And priorities in society tell us to put things other than self-care first. So putting self-care first has to become a priority for someone with addiction or mental health. Our recovery has to come first. We can't be effective in our job, in our family, in any other part of our life unless our recovery comes first. And often that looks like taking care of ourselves through relaxation, through creativity, through those things that give us an opportunity to just be with our inner voice and to change that inner voice to to something that's kinder, slower, quieter. And that's not what society tells us is correct. So I think when we make a switch, and I see it happening in some respects, that self-care makes us a more effective society. Being with each other, taking time to socialize and care for one another is an important part of being healthy mentally and physically as well.
1: But we seem to have a lack of understanding a lot of that, that karma I mean, I, I know people that will religiously go to the gym and they're doing their weight training or they'll run, mm-hmm. uh, like, like both of you guys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you ask them the question well what are you doing to, to exercise your mind what are you doing to relax your mind what are you doing to, right. to help that and they, they think well just sitting around doing nothing that's, I can't do that yeah. and it doesn't necessarily because they look at something like meditation or yoga or something as saying well that's no I've got to be active I've got to be doing things and we, we don't spend much time looking after our, our brains do we?
2: No, and I think sometimes you feel selfish if you're doing that. I mean, I know as a mom, right, and, you know, you come home, you're rushing, making dinner, okay, hockey practice, okay, um, you know, laundry, okay, housework, okay, this, and then it's bedtime. And then so you don't, sometimes you have to really carve out that time for yourself and make sure that you don't feel selfish for maybe taking a bath. You know, maybe uh, my husband's going to laugh because he says, I never, I never do that. But, um, but doing something that maybe does relax your mind. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's, maybe it's just even going on your, you know, I hate to say it, but going on your device and just being, you know, reading something that you want to read or uh, playing
0: you know, angry birds playing,
2: or playing, yeah, <laughs> playing a game. I don't know. But, um, you know, and I think, like I said before, everything, are you the it, one
1: it, that says those candy crush things?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Good. no that's Good. Thank you. But, um, But I think it looks different for everybody, um, what really works. And sometimes it's trial and error. You know, people tell me all the time, you know, you should do yoga. You're too high strung. You need to do yoga. But yoga doesn't work for me. But, you know, going to the gym and, you know, lifting weights and stuff like that does. But I've also made that connection that it's also I know that's my time. I know that that's my me time and where I can give myself that self-care. So I've made that connection. See, we
1: in our family are voracious readers, all of us. And and, and I'll, I'll tell Rebecca sometimes I said, look, I got to read something other than news. Okay? Yes. I got to get my head out of there. And so it's escapism, right? Absolutely. But that that works. In other words, I'm I'm taking myself out of that situation and putting myself into what I consider to be a more relaxing situation. I, I grab a book.
4: Yep. I think we need a time to reset. Yeah. And we don't even know how to breathe properly. Most of us don't take a full breath into our lungs and allow our body to oxygenate. And if for three times a day, for 30 seconds, we took time to take an actual oxygenating breath, our brain and our body reset and then the anxiety comes down, the the feelings that we have can kind of find their places again. So meditation doesn't have to be a big commitment. It can, can be as simple as learning to take a breath every day.
1: My watch okay. just actually, as you said that, just says take time to breathe. That's what I get these messages on my Apple Watch all the time now. And I actually listen to them some of the time too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming in here today and, and, and opening up and talking about this. And, and as you mentioned right off the top, Ted, if even one person as a result of this conversation decides that they they need to step up
0: and talk to somebody too then this has been a very successful hour my pleasure uh, you know um, the when i heard that we wanted to to do the uh, show and uh, and thanks again um, the first two two people I thought of were Carmen Lisa because they are incredibly strong women um, and I have the utmost respect for them for not what they've gone well, maybe what they've gone through has made them stronger, but the fact that they've gone public and and helped and I'm I'm curious now what's going to happen on, on Twitter mm-hmm. today and, and emails. And uh, for those pe- people that are wondering about Wellness Wednesday, we hope to have some news soon about the resumption of the program. We'll talk, about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. You can find Carmen's blog at upandliftingwordpress.com. And, uh, dot com. and uh, Lisa Colbert, of course, uh, you can get her at uh, Vital Spark, Mindfulness, Meditation, and Spirituality. Thanks, everybody, for being here oh, today. Greatly I
0: appreciate it.